to become who we want to be as individuals. And at the end of the day, that's going to help us be a successful offense. And the man, one-on-one coverage because the safety rolls to Jefferson's side. Jordan Love hit me up the night of the draft. You know, was just congratulating me, letting me know it's time to work. Um, AJ Dillon was open arms. Von Rock caught a ball with his thighs. We didn't nah. talk about that. It was more of with his ass. If he throws a good ball, this is a running, catching touchdown untied. Like, if KP does like these flips after every win, and I'm like just waiting for him to do his flip. To know that we still love each other, that's what football brings us. Across the safety's face. You can tune in anywhere that you guys follow us on social media. Welcome to the Practice Squad Pod, episode 70, covering week 14 of football. Does the practice squad did that? Did the song sound like slowed down and weird to you on your side, or was that a little just bit, like, little slow mo? Kind of okay. liked it. I kind of liked it. Little maybe I'll get like a, a low fi version up. of it. Yeah, some of the best songs ever in history were created by accident, John. You know, that? hey, slow it down, throw some reverb on it. It becomes you know a, a chiller song. You never know. You never know. You could have a hit um, in the making. Exactly. I actually uh, already started writing album too. Album one isn't even out yet. Post a little reel about that. If you guys like music, um, you should follow me on my personal. I'll take the time to plug it right now because I'm very busy in a music release cycle. So it's a good time to uh, hop on the bandwagon. Um, But yeah, we got a lot to talk about football wise. And uh, we actually wanted to do, you know, a little segment, another little, little top three draft, if you will. Um, We did one. What, what did we do? Uh, best, just most iconic players of most all time. Most iconic period. players. Yeah. yeah, I think, and I think my list smoked yours. So you better, I'll, you better bring, bring your A game here on this one. Well, so Mark and I took different angles, right? Like I, I picked the the top three touchdown celebrations, but I tried to keep all of mine more recent for the most part. And Mark, Mark and I went back and forth, and so I think Mark's going to have some more classic ones. I'm going to have some of my favorites just from the past like two or three years. Um. But I think I think you'll be on board with my list in that context. So without we'll further see. ado, let's let's go through our top three touchdowns. Do I get first pick this time? You can take first pick, sure. Okay. So for our best touchdown celebrations of all time draft list, top three, me against John. My first pick, I'm gonna go with mm-hmm. Joe Horn of the Saints hiding the phone underneath uh, the field goal, scoring, getting it, using the prop, and calling. I like that. Um, and in the vein of props, I got the Dallas Cowboys playing whack-a-mole in the Salvation Army bucket one or two years that's, ago. Yeah, that's Pretty not good bad. One. Okay, not bad. two for you. Chad Johnson using the, or Ochocinco, using the pylon as a putter and putting <laughs> the football. Yeah, you, you could do an entire list of just Chad Johnson. We might have to do that at some point. Um for me is Jalen Waddle's iconic Waddle. It's just too good. It's funny. And I think uh, right now the Dolphins actually have some of the best in general touchdown celebrations. Okay. A lot of recency, a lot of recency. I'm going to go with, I had a lot of issues with my mm-hmm. last one because we cut it to three got to three, but my third one is going to be Randy Moss mooning the Packers crowd at Lambeau. <laughs> it's iconic. Can't, I uh, can't deny that one. And then same, still recent, and I think Mark's going to be upset about this one. Uh, three for me is Aiden Hutchinson just punting the football into the stands. That shit was absolutely electric. I went nuts when he did that. Um, you have an honorable mention. I think I have an honorable mention as well. I do have an honorable mention. Um, Terrell Owens standing on the Dallas Stars, a 49er with the arms out, 
Um, absolute sign of disrespect, ultimate disrespect going to the midfield and doing that. Uh, the second time he tried to do it, someone charged him. So that's... <laughs> Honorable mention for me, Ochocinco making another appearance, the, the proposal. Uh, the celebration yeah, the proposing to the cheerleader. Which, again, we, we need to do just a top five list of just uh, Ochocinco celebrations. Marshawn Lynch is another one we could probably do that with, too. Um, There's so many. We'll, we'll have to do like more in this, of this in the offseason. But those are our top three uh, touchdown celebrations in a short form, you know. We'll do yeah, a full we, laundry like list a full, this off season. Yeah, Maybe a full episode on it. I mean, shit. There's just so covering, much you can do. That's you know, as we slowly, what what is it? It's the worst. Like May June, there is nothing to talk about in football. Yeah, there's so nothing. There's there's definitely some slow episodes, but we're gonna we're gonna make sure that that time of year is still full of football. Like like content. film breakdown of like historic games, top five lists that go a little bit more in depth. Like we'll and and this actually is a great segue to our next topic before we actually start recapping the games for this week. Um, Mark has had a theory that he's actually been talking about for over a year now, and. Um, it keeps showing up. And so we decided, you know, maybe we should actually like do our due diligence and kind of uh, explain what we think is going on. And that theory is that laterals in football are going to become much more than just a last play of the half, last play of the game play. They are going to turn into an entirely different genre of play design and offensive scheming. Um, And so Mark has put together a couple of examples, but Mark, I want to give you the floor as an offensive minded coach to explain why you think at the NFL level, things are going to start trending more and more this way over time. Yeah. So it's been happening for, it's already happening, right? The, the change of offensive football to having planned laterals is already happening. We've seen it happen with Travis Kelsey and the play that got called back um, on, on Sunday, pitching it to Kadarius Tony. Kelsey has done that against Detroit in 2019 We've seen him do it in the AFC Championship last year against the Cincinnati Bengals a couple times. One failed. One was close to being successful. Uh, we've seen the Lions do it against the Packers on Sunday night last year to help clinch the game, throwing a screen to Amon Ra, who pitched it to DeAndre Swift to help get closer to the first down. And we saw the Chargers do it. Kellen Moore called it a few weeks ago, a crossing route to Keenan Allen, who caught it and then threw it out to Austin Eckler on third and long to get the first down. We've seen a lot of other coaches do it as well. Those are just kind of the top five or six, you know, that I could remember off the top of my head. And every time I see it happen as an offensive minded coach, I can't help myself. I just like, I love it. And it's so hard to defend and, and defenses don't practice against that right now. We've seen it obviously end of half end of game scenarios forever, because there's no risk at that point. You either you're trying, you need to get points at the end of the game to, to tie or win. So you have, obviously if a fumble happens, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the half, we've seen a couple of hooking ladders and stuff. Boise State obviously did it against Oklahoma to help win a game in that bowl game way back when. Um, but it's happening. I mean, it's happening on normal scripted down and distances, second down and long, first down and 10, third and long. Um, it's happening. It's happening. Some of the best offensive minds, Ben Johnson, Andy Reid, Kellen Moore, they're doing it. And uh, I want to show some of these clips and yeah, kind of so- show you why it's so hard to defend. To get started, we'll, we'll see what Travis Kelsey himself has to say about it because he's kind of the, the guy that's been doing it at a much higher clip than everybody right, else yeah. at this point. And make sure this volume um, is up because this is uh, an interesting clip from part of my take where he's talking about it. This was obviously a year ago. He had already pitched the ball a few times at this point, but this is obviously very relevant now. You're like the only player that does this on a consistent basis. 
you always look for that last minute lateral before you get tackled. Yeah. You're yeah. always, I'm on the record saying that that shit's going to change football. Once more okay. players start to do that. I, there are so many times where you, I can tell you, you're thinking about it mm -hmm. and you, you decide not to at the last minute, but when you pull it off, it usually works. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm like 50, 50 right now for at least I haven't turned the ball over yet doing it. Yeah. So it hasn't completely fucked me. Um, but I just feel like this the most underused rule in the game. Yep. Yeah, you know, being able to lateral the ball, get it out of your hands, so another guy can take off. I mean, shit. Yeah, the way that, that tackling's coach at the NFL level, it's you swarm to the ball. Swarm to the ball. That means that your guys are going to be open. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, just uh, testing the waters is the hard part because you know if you don't fucking get it or if like it's not a huge gain, like you did it, you like let's say I lateral it, a guy catches it and gets like two extra yards. Mm -hmm. so it's like why the fuck did you just risk the ball? Yeah, mm -hmm. turning the ball over for it. So it's like trying to balance that and at the same time making sure that everybody's always ready for the ball. Cause you ever get any shit from that? Like from, from Coach Reed? Is he like, why are you doing this? Don't fucking do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, like the first time I did it was, uh, was the Lions in 2017. Which we have that clip. 17 or 18. And uh, I pitched it to LaShawn McCoy, Shady. Yeah. And Shady took off for an extra like 20, 25 yards. And uh, I come to the sideline, and Coach Reed just kind of looked at him. I'm like, kind of like staring from a distance, like, oh shit, is he gonna fucking give me the eye? Like, I, would, I know I shouldn't have fucking did that. And he, uh, he comes up to me after the game, and he goes, "Imagine if we did that every play." Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like my. <laughs> and so I thought the part that was most interesting about that clip was him saying, "Because this is true, right? What is every defender in all of football taught all the time?" Swarm to the ball. Swarm Everybody, the ball. ball, 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 ball. All You're the time. never, ever, as a defender, at least in today's game, thinking about the lateral. Once the ball is cross line of scrimmage, you are not thinking about the pitch unless it's end of half, end of game scenarios. Then you might, you know, might expect a pitch. But in regular down and distances, nobody is thinking that. Nobody's planning for that. So he has a point. And this was that that clip that from that episode of Part of My Take was uh, about a year ago. So. You know, some of these laterals have already happened, but a lot of stuff this year, you're seeing it from more teams, not just Travis Kelsey doing it, not just Andy Reid, because it's a copycat league. We say that all the time. Good coaches, um, you know, innovative coaches come up with new stuff, but the smartest coaches copycat. They steal stuff from the smart coaches because if it worked for one coach, it probably works for a different coach and, and a different sure offense. Enough, right. And we're going to just go through all the different versions of this that we've seen in the past couple of years alone. Yeah. So this Mark is the thing, Justin Herbert. Yeah, Ian pitching Allen, it. Austin so, and, and the cool thing you'll see is all of these laterals, they're different in their own way, right? So this Chargers lateral, it's third long, right? The situation matters. It's third long near midfield. They throw, they understand that the defense will be willing to give up a short completion because it's third and 17. Catch, they, they literally teach defenses, drop everybody back, let them catch it, tackle them short of the sticks, force them to punt, right? Get get off the field on fourth on third down. Um so knowing this, Kellen Moore designs a short crossing route for Keenan Allen, who catches it with ease, no one near him, because that's what they knew was going to happen. And but what, when that happens is, like John said, they Everybody start to bites, swarm to crashes him, down, yep. and he flicks it out, planned, to the other rail route over to Austin Eckler, who gashes up the sideline and gets to the sticks. Dude, I'll very say it creative, again, too. Very creative. You, you should not be allowed to lose games in that Chargers uniform. Those things are so sick. I know I know some people they have haven't won opinion. a game in that uniform. I know. They're like 0 and 5. It's unreal. They look yeah. so sweet. Um so there's Kellen Moore doing it. This is this is the most recent one, the one that got called back, the one that will 
not actually count in the history books. This was the craziest play, John, I've ever seen live. Uh, besides maybe the kick six and the Iron Bowl. And we're gonna Alabama. we're gonna talk this, about this at length when we get to this game and the recap. But this whoa. play, I I kid you not, John. I was watching it on my phone. We were parked. I was with my dad in the car. We were picking up my sister. Um, and I turned to him and I said, oh my God, oh my God, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And he goes, well, let me see it. And I was waiting for a replay and they didn't show the replay. So I had to go find it on Twitter. The, the, given the circumstances of this play is what makes it so wild, right? So he catches this ball. They're down three at the time. Kelsey gets to the 10 yard line. So they're in field goal range to tie the game and they still have a minute left. So they're good. They're probably going to score and win the game two plays later and probably be better off because there'll only be 20 seconds left at that point. Right. But Kelsey, being the wild guy that he is and having the freedom because of how great he is, and that's what makes Andy Reid so special is he allows his guys to make plays like this, giving them freedom to do so. He sees Tony, who's already pouting about getting held and not getting the ball earlier in this play. Like He thought Mahomes should have thrown it to him, and he thought he should have, got a, he should have drew a flag because he gets hit by two different Bills players. So he's literally already pouting. And out of nowhere, the ball, he chooses to throw it across the field I've never seen anything like this in this kind of circumstance. Like, this is not a desperation play. He doesn't need to do this. This is just a heads-up play. Travis Kelsey's a former quarterback, and it's one of the best plays I've ever seen a player make in an NFL game. It's it's absolutely insane, and as Mark said, it won't count in the history books. And uh, my take on it is, is this is some of the most crybaby shit I've ever seen from the Kansas City Chiefs. Period. Well, well, yeah, we'll, that, and we'll get into that when we get to that game. Yeah. But I, I, I want to say too that just because that play doesn't count, don't think that it doesn't inspire <laughs> offensive <laughs> change. So don't think yeah. that that's not going to be a part of it. So this is one of the first ones that people can remember Kelsey doing. Mahomes makes an incredible throw. He catches it. He knows he's a little bit short of the sticks. He's falling down, and he sees McCoy right behind him. So he just catches it and kind of flicks it to him. This is similar to like, and we don't have a clip of this, but we've shown it in our episode with coach John Bonamigo, central Michigan's coach. Um, when they had, they, they scored on their Hail Mary to upset Oklahoma state. It was a similar play, right? That was end of game, but the player caught it, pitched it before his butt hit the ground to another player who ran in. This is similar, but it's not a desperation play, right? So that's right. what makes these pitches so different. That hook and ladder, this is a planned play call. You, there's no doubt in my mind you can't convince me. You can watch this clip several times. This is in the AFC Championship against the Cincinnati Bengals. He runs a curl route, a hook route, catches it. McKinnon runs a, a rail route up the sideline. Um, and once the ball's thrown, you can see all the defenders leave McKinnon and come to Kelsey to put the ball down. And he plans to pitch that there's no doubt in my mind that that was intentional if you notice the situation it's second and 11 so you know long yardage everyone's thinking okay give up a short completion force third down and again this is andy reed choosing to purposely call this this is where the future of it is not players just choosing to do it out of nowhere which will start to happen maybe as well but planned play calls like the chargers one right. like this one and then of course this last one we'll show you which is the lions doing it ben johnson doing it this is another one that failed. You can see, do you see that? Oh, if you watch this clip, if you're watching this on YouTube and kind of pause it right after he catches it. So he catches this ball. The check down is number 83 here at the bottom of the screen. He's looking for the ball. You can tell that he's not going to block somebody because it's planned. Again, the second time in that game where Andy Reid called a play like that, where Kelsey has the option downfield to pitch it. You can see it. The way Kelsey's holding the ball, too, and looking. Right, yeah, he's totally looking. Now, he chose not to pitch that one. Right. But, and you notice on that one, it was third and goal. So, again, 
you know, understanding they're willing to give up a short completion. Andy Reid, offensive genius. Ben Johnson, a younger offensive genius, doing this last year to help clinch the game. This is a screen pass to Amon Ra. They pull Panay Sewell out in space and then lead block for DeAndre Swift, who catches the pitch right after the screen's caught. By this the is way, a they, planned they play. They continue to do uh, The pitch part's, you know, obviously really uh, impressive, but the fact that they know how athletic Panay Sewell is and they will just oh, put him wherever dude, on the field. They, the, they did that so many times so far this season. And that's every the beautiful part of this. It's the, the beautiful part of this is it's unexpected. Right, and it, it it you can see defenses don't know how to react to it, right. and then you have the so best new. right tackle in the NFL just right there, lead blocking for a exactly. Pitch it's so new. It's John. There's very few times in modern day football where offensive coaches come up with an idea or a concept that toys with defensive minded coaches for years. This is one of the ones that's going to do it. That out motion that the Dolphins started running with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle this year that now everyone's doing is another thing that's throwing fits for defenses. This this constant battle of this chess match between offensive geniuses and defensive geniuses in football, and it trinkles down from NFL. I mean, shit, dude, Andy Reid and Mike McDaniel, they, they steal ideas from high school coaches. If right. they see a high school coach call something creative enough, they'll take it and they'll put it in their playbook. And it goes from NFL down and it goes from youth football up. You know, I mean, we've seen the trick play like Johnny Manziel went to the sideline pretending to get a call and then they snap the ball and he runs a go route. No one's guarding yeah. him. That yeah. happened at youth football. You know, like that was little kids did that. And someone saw it and said, OK, Mike McDaniel said, we'll do it with Johnny football. Why not? So it's it's really exciting. It gets me fired up as a, as a football fan and as an offensive coach to see how it's changing the game and where the game's going. And And don't get me wrong, like it's risky, but I think at times like Travis Kelsey said in that clip, it is worth the risk, and I think you can get a huge re- reward on that risk if executed. And you're seeing teams execute this at a higher level because it's being practiced. It's not just like willy-nilly, I'm going to just do it, right? Um, those are the most exciting plays when you don't expect it, but the planned ones are working pretty well, and I think we'll see more and more and more of that moving forward in the football future. I, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, it – it kind of makes you wonder, right? I mean, football, relatively speaking, is a young sport. Um, like, how much more untapped potential is there on the offensive side of the ball? I think, you know, defensively, there's there's so many things you can do, but you know, you talk about these these laterals and things like that. Like, I think the more athletic and football smart that we're getting out of NFL players, like, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people know this. A lot of the guys that you're seeing on the offensive side of the ball have played quarterback at some point in their life because they, at one point, were the best athlete on their team. Like, if you're at an NFL level, that's just kind of the case. And you mentioned Travis Kelsey playing quarterback. Like, one of the reasons why he feels empowered to take that risk that he did in this game was because of the fact that he has an arm. He kind of knows what to look for. Like, that's that's something that Travis Kelsey can execute on. But the thing is, is that there are dozens and dozens of former quarterbacks in the NFL. And so you can just continue to get more and more ridiculous with what you can have them do. And then, you know, the, the defensive philosophy applied to the ball. If you start doing this frequently enough, like, can you really get away with that? And you then have you're to stand your guy. Like, you have to guard your guy even after the ball has been caught. It literally changes 
everything exactly. about how defenses coach. Exactly. It's and which is is that's what makes it so empowering though. That's what makes it so difficult to stop crazy. because if teams you basically I mean everyone struggles John like you see teams struggle with like the read option for example, right? Or triple option. You see teams struggle right. with that. Cuz you don't know which guy to defend, which guy to tackle, which guy's actually going to keep the ball, is he going to pitch it, is he going to keep it, is he going to throw it? Like RPOs have become a huge thing. So you add the the element of surprise down the field now, like past line of scrimmage. You add the element of option football down the field. You're changing the game. You're revolutionizing offensive football, and you are now taking another huge step ahead of defense. And defense always reacts, right? They, defense, they don't innovate a ton. They have to react to the innovation, right? right? Exactly. So when the forward pass was created, defense had to adjust, okay? When guys got faster, defenses had to adjust. When guys got bigger and stronger and just hand the ball off and give it to the best athlete on the field, defenses had to adjust, right? I mean, you look at the history of football, it's always happened. This is the next thing that's going to cause defensive-minded coaches headaches, and they're going to have to find a way to adjust. This just feels like an inherently different headache than any other headache that we've Mm -hmm. seen before. Because, again, the fly-to-the-ball aspect, which is like defensive fundamentals, that's not even scheme. That's fundamentals. Now what? Everybody has to play, play on their man. All like linebackers the whole play. And yeah, like, have to almost like basketball. Man. Like basketball. Like you, if you leave your man to help on defense, you got to get back to him, or someone else has to get to your guy. Like, is it going to be like that down the field now? Like, that's where like, we could think be about going. How ridiculous that is! If you, if like, think about that, how exciting that would be. How fun yeah. that would be. Think about how much more scoring you'd see. You would see a lot more scoring, I'd, and a lot more, and a lot more turnovers. It would just be, it would just be, you know, really, really fun to, to see that. Um, it excites me. I think it's really, really innovative stuff. And, you know, the offensive coaches, when they see stuff like that, mm-hmm. trust me, we will see another play like Kelsey made and that one will count. Yeah. And, and Mark, I can't wait. You might be identifying a much larger momentum shift in offensive game planning than you even recognize, right? Because you just pulled up five or six examples from the past, what, four years, maybe? Yeah. Most Who knows of what the that... most recent two years, but yeah. Right. Who knows what that looks like three years from now, right? I mean, there I might be... It happens fast. I know. And so... I've been telling my dad, listen, I, my dad's uh, the head coach. I'm, I'm one of the assistant offensive coaches for him. I coach high school ball. Um, and I've been trying to convince him to do stuff like this for a couple of years. He doesn't... He won't let me, right? Because of the risk-reward thing. But I will continue to fight, and I will continue yeah. to show him well, and hey, and evidence. When every person on the field is like the most freakish athlete that, you know, like they, you know, growing up, they were the best, right? They were the, the Parker Picos yeah. on every single team that they played on and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, for anybody. It works better. The, yeah. The but I mean, honestly, John, it just takes, like, it just takes two. It just takes two good athletes. It just, mm-hmm. honestly, it just takes one good athlete and a, and a guy who has football IQ that you trust enough with the ball in his hands to make a smart decision and not turn the ball over. Really, yeah. that's all it takes because you know you're gonna you know what look you're gonna get most of the time. Like when Kellen Moore called that, Keenan Allen, I don't know if he's a former quarterback or not. I mean, he probably just throws an okay ball. Doesn't right. require a great pass. I mean, as long as it's a safe pass. And here's the crazy thing too, right? One part that's different about Canadian football than American football that blows you know regular football fans' minds is the the motion thing, right? Like you can right. you can go go forward can, and. Yeah, you can have forward motion like as far back before the play yeah. as you want and be running full speed by the time you get the handoff. 
guess what this opens up people to be able to do is have just Basically kind of what Eckler that, did in yeah. that play. He was running sprint full speed by the time yeah. that and no one was down. over there yeah i mean and again john a lot of it like doesn't have to be a far pass like the uh the deandre swift clip we showed that was a pitch and and that was a pitch and catch and then pitch like amara right. caught it and just flicked it like right back to him that doesn't require any athleticism that's just that's just being savvy you know so most receivers in the league could do what amara did there that's not like a specialty thing so there's different ways to do it um you know we we've seen it and it's exciting, man. It is exciting, and it's changing football. Uh, it's just really fun to see one play change the course of, like, play calling, like, period. Like, it's going to affect everything moving forward because that play happened, and it doesn't even count. The no, you got, count. you got me sold on it. That I think it's it's just the start of this becoming a very common thing that we see because why not? Every Everybody's so freaking athletic. It I'm, totally I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm all for it. Um, all right, so without further ado, we can get into recapping the game. So Mark and I are recording this Monday night. We're trying to get the long-form episode out a little bit earlier, so the game recaps are a little fresher. And so we will find out what the actual results of the, the Green Bay uh, Giants game are and the um, the Dolphins-Titans game are. I have I have the Packers game pulled up on my screen. Would it be smart of me to, to get the Dolphins one and you keep the, the Packers one up? Sure. So we can just kind of give scoring updates as that goes on. But to start, Patrick, uh, Patriots, Patriots at Steelers. We were <laughs> expecting this to be low scoring. This is like the most points either team has scored in a minute, I guess, which is not saying much. But the over did hit. So congrats. I'll um, put it out there. John and I's best bets. No good. Last week will be better. Um, we, we were really bad last week. I'll, I'll we were really, really bad. And uh, honestly, I'm embarrassed by it. I think I might be cursed again by the Broncos after I picked them. Now I'm on a losing streak. I went on an absolute heat streak. If you haven't been listening to our recent episodes, I went on an absolute heater. Yeah. I mean, I'm 38-19 still. It's a great record. If you want to win money, you still absolutely should ride with my picks. But, um, yeah, I went on a bad, a bad losing streak here this week. I picked the Broncos last week to win. I, that kind of set me down a, a two-week losing streak. I'm going to get back on the winning wagon here this week for sure. But, yeah, this week's not a lot to be proud of. But Patriots-Steelers game, John, I mean, an underset at 30, you'd think that would have been an absolute garbage offensive game. They actually hit the over in the first half, and the Steelers are dead. Yeah, well, they're really struggling without Pickett, and you can say all the. And honestly, I feel like this was a return to just Matt Canada style offensive football. Like it's and a same same frustrations, right? Inability to use your weapons, inability to utilize things like crazy concepts, like you know, using the middle of the field more often, stretching out defenses. Like you're just not seeing that that much. Um, and then also, I mean, is is Zappy better than Mac Jones officially? Like, what's what's the I think there? I think so. But John, you know what? You you could talk about the Steelers' offense all you want. I mean, it's been up and down all year. It's mostly been down. Uh, their defense is one thing that they've hung their hat on with Mike Tomlin and T.J. Watt and the guys that they have. They gave up twenty one points to the New England Patriots. Yeah. The New England Patriots in the previous week scored zero points against the Chargers. So and the Chargers have been struggling defensively. Last time I checked, this game was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, pretty rough. Yeah, so well, I mean I think, that's my concern because that's the I one think, thing that you know you're good at, and that wasn't good. I think T.J. Watt was concussed too, and I think that's a huge blow to the the Steelers' defense. They are an entirely different team when that guy's not on the field or not playing at a hundred percent. So um, 
I, I don't want to, I, I'm only basing that off of speculation that people posted, but you know, like get your bell rung, do some smelling salts, throw on a visor, not playing the same when you go back on the field, like kind of seems like an interesting order of events. Um, so not trying to sound the alarm too hard there, but I think that's part of the reason why the, the Steelers are struggling so much defensively is TJ Watt is one of those people that completely changes, you know, how you game plan. Really. He's a game breaker. Yeah, same same thing with Max Crosby, right? I mean that that yeah. literally. There's only a few of those guys in the league. He's one of them, no yeah, doubt. One hundred percent. Moving on to Texans Jets. So C.J. Stroud missing both of his top receivers, and it showed in this game. Um, Jets defense is very good in general, but they were absolutely having their way uh, with the Texans. Um, you know, people were saying, "Well, okay, this is what Bryce Young's going through right now. He doesn't have any." like fast athletic, like top tier receivers to be throwing to, and he's struggling to develop. And sure enough, you take those away from CJ Stroud and things look a little different against a good defense, right? I, Great I think defense, this, John. I mean, it's, I yeah. think it's fair to say tough, tough defense to go against. I mean, we said that when we talked about this game in our picks, like this was a tough matchup for CJ Stroud. He also was concussed as well. So that didn't, when he left the game, that didn't help them either. Right. Um, at what point in the did, game did he did he go out? Was it third quarter? It's towards the end, yeah. But or, still, yeah. I mean, they you know he didn't right. look great before that. But my big takeaway was the Jets kind of tricked themselves out benching Zach Wilson because you know you could look at a, some of the games the last few weeks and think if Zach Wilson had started, they probably win one or two of those games that they've that they blew the last few weeks. And what are they and at now? We, five and six. Yeah, they're. I mean. Third. Or something like that, five and yeah, seven. Yeah, I think they're five and five and seven. So it's it I don't know. Like Zach Wilson looked pretty eight. damn he looked it's... pretty damn good, you know, uh in this game. And by benching him the last few weeks, what the hell did that get you? You know, like I, I get the frustration and maybe give another guy a chance, but when you realized how bad your next guy in was, like put Zach back in and just let him kind of, you know, make some plays. He's gonna make some mistakes. But he gives you the best chance to win, clearly. 100%. And and honestly, I think Salah caved to media pressure and, and outside pressure more than anything else, because at the end of the day, that's what he was saying this entire season. He's like, Zach puts us in the best position to win. I think it was I think it was in-house pressure from ownership. You think so? But yeah, I mean, I think Mark and I have been pretty consistent on what we think about 2023 Zach Wilson. And it's that the potential's there. And clearly he's lacking some development, but like he is a better quarterback with Aaron Rodgers in his ear and you can win with him. Um, I think at least enough to, to keep you guys in the playoff hunt and you're definitely going to win with him more often than you're going to win with Boyle, obviously. So, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that was, uh, I think that was, yeah. Um, unfortunately. And so um, it, it stinks um, because I think the jets are, you know, I, I don't know if they're mathematically out of playoff contention, but a lot of things have to, bounce their way for them to be in it it would essentially have to win out and things would have to happen in their favor um so you know something to, to look out for um because the afc race though despite that is very tight right now and so it's not very tight possible it's just saying it's it's highly improbable highly unlikely right now for them um all right, Lions Bears. This game, as a Lions fan, was brutal. I felt like it was <clears throat> in our grasp in the third quarter, and then a series of things went horribly wrong, and then they just failed to recover. Um, I think offensively, they did not look good. Um, actually, there's there's stats to to back that up. Um, and I'm incredibly, incredibly frustrated with Aaron Glenn's uh, 
you know, defensive game planning. Cause I think as the season has dragged on, he has made fewer and fewer adjustments to show that there are changes being done to improve this defense. And it is killing the Lions, literally. So um, John, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to get fired up about I, it in a second here. We can, and we can take a look. I mean, great completion percentage, but I mean, we're talking golf in his last seven games. It's, that's 10 touchdowns, seven intercept interceptions, six fumbles. I mean, his turnover ratio is is higher than the number of touchdowns he's thrown. The Lions are a team where your quarterback cannot be doing this, period. They are an elite offense if you are doing the fundamental stuff right, taking care of the football, you know, uh, taking up time of possession, all of that stuff. As soon as that stuff starts slipping and you get more into undisciplined football, shit like this starts happening really quick. And then every single game feels like you can't recover from. And so Mark, I'll give you the floor. Cause I know you have stuff to say, but um, I, you know, you'll probably hear me in the, in the highest agreement of, of frustration with the lions that you heard me all season. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, what your perspective is. Yeah. My perspective is um, the defense has been the problem basically since after week one, um, I'm going to get on the offense first and then I'm gonna get in the defense. Cause the defense is my, true anger the offense is just a i'm just gonna basically talk about the offense for a short second here um the offense has one of the best offensive lines in football and you probably have one of the best running back tandems in football get back to running the ball run the damn football stop getting cute with bullshit reverses and those are all change-ups we are doing those at way too high of a clip okay you don't need to do that shit when you have the best offensive line in football and you can move people around and you have backs with speed and power and can make people miss, ride them. Ride those guys into it, then set up play action, which is what made Goff good the last year and a half anyway, is the running game setting him up with easy passing completions in play action. Right, That's what made Ben Johnson a great coordinator. That's what made Goff one of the top five quarterbacks in the league statistically for most of the last year and a half. Get back to that formula. Take a few shots down the field to Jameson. Um, you know, have some underneath routes to Laporte and Amara. That's your system. That will win you football games. That's what you were great at. Go back to that. So that's my offensive spiel. Way too much cute shit going on. Okay. Defensively, it's time to fire Aaron Glenn. Um, it's been that's this is an overdue thing. He doesn't make the adjustments needed. Uh, I don't want to hear excuses about injuries or anything like that. This defense has sucked. Since Aaron Glenn's been here, it has not been good. You could count on your hand how many good defensive game plan games he's called since he's been the defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. Okay, it's it's a problem. Um, for I'll highlight a couple that that stood out to me: the fourth and thirteen touchdown pass to DJ Moore, so inexcusable, bad. inexcusable so to happen in the NFL. And you, a lot of people are like, "Oh, Jacobs got beat." It's like, yeah, Jacobs isn't a very good player, but as a defensive coordinator, you need to understand his weaknesses as a cornerback and not put him on an island with one of the better receivers in football and bring a free safety down to ten yards where and he's not helping over the top. It's, it's just, it, it that is like, a schematic error, John. It's it, The player obviously got beat, and so Jacobs, it's on you as well. But why would you put him in that position? You know he struggles with that. Why would you put him in that position on 4th and 13th? I honestly feel feel like they were too busy like bitching about the intentional grounding that didn't get called that they literally didn't put like a serious formation in for the follow up play like they're too and, busy and that could be the... that could be part of it too but yeah, as a was... defensive coordinator you need to just gather your guys no, and fight so the bad. next down because you're gonna bad calls happen in football you need to exactly. live to fight the next down no, that, and again, that wasn't that's another that. sign of an Aaron Glenn weakness right and even a Dan Campbell weakness. Um, 
Dan Campbell, by the way, made some horrible game decisions again in this game. He can't help himself. He'll, he'll continue to do it. Going for it several times on fourth and like 10 or more yards. Just stupid, stupid, stupid decisions. Trust, you know, pin somebody deep. Get your defense some momentum, maybe. That's what I would do in those situations. So he's also part of the problem. But back to Aaron Glenn. Another call was on Justin Fields' bootleg touchdown in the red zone. You stunt Aiden Hutchinson in, right? Because you're trying to help create pressure with Aiden Hutchinson. He's been, you know, he's been struggling to get home to the quarterback. He doesn't have a ton of help up front. Um, so you try doing a stunt, right? Which is fine. I've actually been asking for more of that kind of thing, more blitz packages, more different looks. But a stunt in that situation understanding the down and distance, understanding where you are on the field and understanding the quarterback that you're playing against, understanding that they're chipping and doubling Hutchinson anyway. So when Hutchinson goes in, it's just bringing more blockers to the guy who's trying to come out. And now you have no contain. If you keep a guy like Justin Fields in the pocket and you force him to throw from the pocket, he'll struggle. Aaron Glenn continues to allow him to escape the pocket, make plays with his legs and extend plays and throw the ball down the field. And it's, it's, it's a, we just played this team and had the same problems three weeks ago. That's Great. the thing that concerns me. Nothing has changed from three weeks ago. We had the same issues, and we got lucky and got bailed out at the game I was at um, a few weeks ago when the Lions came back and stole that one from Chicago. Yeah, we should have lost that game as well. No, the, the offense bailed them, you know, bailed themselves out really because really, the, yeah. Know, I mean, but again, so. the defense wasn't good in that game either. Right. Justin Fields with his legs still had close to 100 yards rushing. Like you know, like take something away like Aaron Glenn just it just doesn't make he's just not the answer I'm it's it's gotten to the point where there there's no saving him he's he's not the answer in Detroit and Dan Campbell's either gonna have to realize that and face that hard truth and get rid of him and bring somebody in like that can fix that a little bit or he's gonna go down with them eventually it won't happen anytime soon because the Lions are such a poverty franchise to begin with but if this is any winning team and these coaches are putting up this kind of stuff these coaches would be on the hot seat because of the flip of success that we've had in detroit and because of how historically bad we've been they're gonna have a lot more wiggle room uh but this is bad it's really bad they have not looked good for several weeks in a row on both o and d the defense has been a problem much longer um again i don't think talent is an excuse anymore i think talent was a very valid excuse the past two years i mean we spent most of our free agency acquisitions getting guys in to solve this problem. We spent a yeah. lot of our draft picks getting guys in to solve this problem. So. Yeah. Um, another schematic thing too, John, I got two more for you. Cause I just, I mean, I watched this whole game. Couldn't believe it. Playing Alex Anzalone and man to man coverage several times on tight ends that he does not match up well with. And on running backs that he does not match up. Well, I told you he's a problem in coverage has been all year. I don't care what anyone says about him. He's not a good football player in our system the way we try to use him, and he only does a few things well. Uh, Trying to play man-to-man with him on Cole Komet and some of these guys, like that's just not going to happen. And over and over again. Tight ends torch him all season. All the time. Running backs torch. He can't cover. So, And if you think Jack Campbell's a better cover, then try him. I don't think he is. I worried that that was the problem with Jack Campbell when we drafted him. He's clearly not a great cover guy either because he's getting ripped apart in zone coverage like – consistently like he's not getting to his drop he's not understanding the concept that's happening behind him and he's just kind of standing in no man's land and they're hitting dig routes behind him and slant routes behind him all day it's not good okay so that's a problem and then the last thing i'll finish with and john you may disagree um in hutchinson's overrated very good football player very overrated um you talk about there's so many excuses being made for this guy he doesn't have help i agree he doesn't have help on the defensive line but when you're him second overall draft pick you're considered one of the best pass rushers in football 
Every pass rusher like that gets doubled and gets chipped. Look at Max Crosby. Watch the film of him. Watch the attention he gets. Watch Boza Brothers, Khalil Mack, okay, Miles Garrett. Watch the attention those guys get and TJ Watt and the production that they still create. That's where we want Aiden Hutchin to be. That's where we expect him to be, right, in one of those top tiers of a pass rusher. We draft him that high for that reason. He's nowhere near that. He's struggling. He, he, he can't get sacks. I understand he doesn't have as much help as maybe some of those other pass rushers I mentioned, but you got to be able to still wreak havoc on quarterbacks when you're drafted as high as him and you have the expectations that we had and the people give him the credit. Like you, you know, he's done some great things, but man, what does he have? Uh, two sacks in the last, what, six five games, games, five games. Yeah. I, mean, I get, I he's, think- I get, he's struggling with, with protection and stuff, but he, other pass rushers that we talk about, Chris Jones, another name, like they're getting doubled. Aaron Donald's getting doubled and tripled and still producing, you know? So, I mean, I, yeah, I just I mean, don't. I think uh, I think Hunch's, uh pressures and, and tackles are are up there with some of those elite guys. What isn't is sacks, and the problem is is that team sacks are incredibly low too. And I think per your point, right? Like clearly, if you're drawing that much attention to a guy like Hutchinson, honestly, that doesn't even bug me because of the fact that if if it takes two or three guys in order to account for Hutchinson, which as you said, that's the type of attention that elite pass rushers should be receiving that's all well and good if your other defensive players are getting home and making sacks and they're not in fact not only are they not getting home and making sacks we have a very low level of tackles for loss and more frustrating than any of it is anytime you play a mobile quarterback i mean dude that one play that should have been a safety that turned into like a 40 yard run for for fields i had an aneurysm because not okay Hutchinson, you know, getting effed and, you know, getting shit blocked out of him. He still should have made that tackle. I agree. Then who was it? Anzalone missed missed a tackle and then Sutton missed it. Everybody missed a tackle on that. And it's like, dude, like I get Fields is big. He's fast. He's mobile. Like that's that's the type of quarterback he is. There was no excuse why that shouldn't have been. If not a safety, at least a tackle for a loss. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, It's sad. And then. Other thing that I want to mention just quickly offensively before we move on here is uh, I think a problem right now is our interior offensive line is way more of a liability than it previously was. And I agree running is our strength. Our offensive line is our strength. Our problem right now is that our, our run game is not as strong. If Ragnar's out, he is the anchor there. And now you have an injured Jonah Jackson. Who's looked like shit since he's come back and you're a third string, fourth string guard, that is not confident. And you have Glasgow, who's actually a, gr- a great player, but is not now getting any help in the interior, right? You at the very least need Glasgow at guard and Ragno back in at center, or else that interior offensive line's a liability. And, you know, what's Montgomery's bread and butter right now is being able to get five, six, seven yards on a chunk play through the interior, and then Gibbs being a liability, basically, or, you know, a threat basically anywhere, right? And so that's... um. I think that's what makes our run game so deadly is the fact that we can run it between the tackles and outside of the tackles. And it is just as much of a threat you have to respect. Now that the, that we're running, if you notice that game, we are bouncing way more of our runs outside than we ever have. I'm, I'm not used to seeing that at all from the lions. And I think it's because of the fact that we have lost confidence in our ability to run it up the middle. And that's a problem. 100% one that needs to get solved quick. 
And I don't know if that's just hoping that Ragnow gets healthy and then things kind of go back to normal. Jo- Jonah Jackson gets healthy, but that that's clearly an issue. And I agree that the issue, you know, it, and, and give the bears some credit. I mean, they, they have been defense. playing pretty, they've been playing, they have a great run defense and they've been yeah. playing pretty good football as a team for top five run defense in the league. And really, and they've been playing I mean, better for five or six weeks, dude. They've, they've looked like a legitimate team. You know, yeah, I mean, the NFC North in general, I think, you know, we've get we gave the Packers their flowers last week. Like they they clearly are a different team than what they were, you know, in week, you know, one through six that after Thanksgiving, they look like a totally different team. Bears look uh-huh. like they're improving. I think I think Eberflus is in the middle of saving his job right now. Honestly, I think if you had asked, you know, an average Bears fan that week four, if, if Eberflus was still going to be employed. Um, I would think they would say no. I think now it's like, hey man, you got a top five defense in the league, and your offense has weapons. And shit, man, you you add Marvin Harrison into that mix. Uh, you you know acquire maybe a you know another running back in the draft. Uh, your blocking is getting better because not only is your offensive line decent, but you have a lot of big body tight ends that you you actually use very well. It's it's serious, man. <laughs> like it, the, the Bears have potential. Honestly, the team that I feel like is trending in the the most downhill aspect right now are the Vikings because one, they can't stay healthy, and two, I don't think I think they've completely lost the plot offensively. Um, but their defense looks decent, so I don't know, you know, what to even make of that. Um, I hope, I sure hope the Lions can beat the Vikings, and we'll we'll get there. Um, because oh my God, they look horrible. Um, right now, I mean, they won that game against the Raiders, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, it was zero to zero up until the last like minute and a half. Yeah. So not, we'll, we'll get to great. that one. Um. Okay. Rams at Baltimore. This game told me that the Rams are like legitimately a good team. Like they should be in the playoffs. They are playing good football. And also, Baltimore is legitimately a very very good team. And I just keep adding fuel to, to this. Of I think Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. Um, and I don't think enough people are talking about just how good they are. Like, I, I really like we're talking You've been a saying lot of, this too. John has been saying this. We're talking a lot about KC. We're talking a lot about Miami. We're talking a lot about all. We're not talking enough about Baltimore as a team right now. They look great offensively. And I know their defense lit up a lot of points in this game, but you're playing against Stafford and, you know, his, his gunslinger, um, and McVeigh and all that stuff. I mean, they're really good defensively too. So I'm just at a point right now where I'm like, guys, like Casey is not what they used to be. The dolphins are really good, but they have weaknesses. Like, why are we not talking about Baltimore as a, as an AFC favorite for the super bowl right now? This game rocked. This was it a was great so football funny. game. It's a great so- football game ended on a great note. Pump return touchdowns to win games. One of the best ways. One <laughs> of the, be- I mean, you talk about walk off home runs in baseball and it's like, such a cool thing walk off wins in football on punt returns i mean we saw the jets do it in open in the opening week but this one ruled this return was awesome it was an incredible play um and i mean just back and forth between stafford and lamar i mean this was an exciting game to watch and i agree with you john i think both these teams uh you know obviously one team won one team lost but both these teams gained a lot of respect from me and um you know the rams are not a team that i want to see coming to detroit uh, if we host a playoff game, I wouldn't want to host a playoff game against Stafford and his homecoming with the Rams and, and the weapons that they have. But the Ravens, I agree with you, man. They are, I, I don't want to go as far as say as they're the best team in the AFC, but they might be, you know, they might be the way the Chiefs are falling off. I will say, and we'll get into the Chiefs game, t- you know, towards the oh, end of this. We will. Don't you worry. But 
I will say that if you're a betting man, I would put a future now because you're going to get the best value now on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, That's you, all I'm you saying. You mentioned that last week. I just, I'm just yeah. saying, I'm just saying, every loss that they stack. I mean, they lost three straight games. The 49ers also lost three straight games this year, and they look unbeatable. A lot can change in a I few know. weeks. So I would not bet against Mahomes. And I'm telling you, when these receivers get it figured out a little bit, I'm just saying that this team, you know, they're they're still the defending champs. They still have the best player in the world, and they still have one of the best coaches in the world. So I'm you don't want to count them out. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm putting out there. Fair enough. Um, I'm not entirely counting them out. This is still Andy Reid. These are still the the defending Super Bowl champs. But I am uh very much in the bu- bucket of this is not the same team that we've seen yet, yet. Are, are are the receivers just gonna wake up eventually i like, think john i honestly i mean it's i they're they have i think 33 drops at this point in the season 33 team drops for the chiefs which is really really high um I'm, they have dudes that can get open. They have scheme that will get them open. They have a quarterback that can get them the ball. And I'm telling you, if they figure it out a little bit and they snap out of this, whatever, it'll happen. We'll you know, another team. You know, another AFC team people should be worried about hmm. the Browns because they got Joe Flacco and they have a Super Bowl winning quarterback now. Who's you know he's near 40 years old, but he does enough and he takes care of the football well enough to just lean on a defense, just like he did in Baltimore. Okay. Very similar situation. Obviously he's much older now, but this Cleveland team is ridiculous on defense. They're not a team I'd want to see in the playoffs. And I'm going to go as far to say, as I think that they will win a playoff game this year. I think the Cleveland Browns are a scary team. I I really do believe in this defense. And I think with Joe Flacco now, they have somebody to like, be like, okay, here's the keys. Just don't lose us the game. Right. Yeah, I, th- it's all I think really the defense is good enough to win them a playoff game. I agree with you on that. Um, and, you know, obviously Jags are down, you know, uh, T-Law and Kirk, who did end up getting... T-Law played, played but, I mean, he was... That's right. Shit. I for, like, they... He played, but he's a tough mother... He's a tough mother. He, sh- he shouldn't have played, I guess. He's, is dude, I mean, he kept him in the game. It was close, close enough, but, like, he's better than the next guy in, even with yeah. one foot. That's That shit was crazy. Um but happy that he's healthy enough to play. Uh, he clearly he's was a not tough dude for that man. game. Yeah. Um, and then there's not much to talk about about Panthers Saints. I mean, if, I actually I'll admit this, right? Like, hey, we we put some some light on Mark and I's good takes. Bad take for me was uh, thinking Derek Carr was going to solve our offensive problems. Not only was that not the case, this dude. It actually pissed me off. He had like like forty passing yards in the fourth quarter, and the dude was acting like he had won the Super Bowl and was like the the heart and soul of this offense. It actually, and he was getting into it with his offensive linemen because his offensive linemen are, I think, tired of him acting like he's the center. He's of the a hard universe. guy to he's a hard guy to be around. I think like if you're not winning, you know, because yeah. he demand, I think he demands a lot from the people around him. If you've noticed, John, that dude's taking a beating every game, and the the offensive line's not like they're not like helping him up anymore. Like they're not like he's not you can you can tell that they're not it, they, it don't reminds love, they don't me, love him. It reminds me of Russell Wilson with his team last year. Like the the type of banter, the attitudes, the conversations that I'm seeing happen on the sidelines and, and on the field, frankly. It's like it's like 
there's just no trust or faith or camaraderie. And it's like, you know, you take a look at the Lions offensive line. I mean, those dudes literally look like they will run through a brick wall for their quarterback and coach Goff, at yeah. all times. Like it is, it is true. And I just am not catching. And even, and I know I'm, I'm ragging on the saints after a 22 point win, but I mean, I just, I'm struggling to see at what, where's, where's the way out. Like I get, I get the entire idea of a rebuild and like clicking the self-destruct button and all of that stuff is scary, but are we just going to keep being a flirt with 500 team for the rest of our lives? Because we're afraid to do that. And we're afraid to reset on cap space. And we're afraid to, you know, stockpile a young draft talent. I don't know. I frankly don't know the answer to that. Um, it's just, it is frustrating. Cause it's like, I just get pissed off even watching wins now. Cause I can just tell this team anytime they play a good team is going to get crushed. So it's funny. I mean, they won 20 to six and John's acting all mad. I don't even, they, 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 very, they very clearly do not like each other on the field. Yeah. And if you're no, winning I don't a game, you. if you're winning a game and you're still talking shit to each other, how yeah, can I expect you to win a game against a good team? I can't. Yeah. So, That's definitely a problem. Um, um so, Colts got up to an early lead and then just imploded on themselves in this game. Cincinnati, man, they have a good team, right? It's not just Joe Burrow. They've, they've done a really good job building a good team around Joe Burrow and give Browning credit. The guy, you know, his opportunity, you love when an opportunity arises for a quarterback that hasn't really had a shot and he comes in and he, he's making himself some money here, John. He's definitely giving himself a chance to become a backup quarterback for somebody for an extended amount of time. And, that's kind of the dream job, you know, back up Joe Burrow, franchise quarterback, back him up. He's going to be there forever and just kind of learn from him and be there to step in when something happens. That's a pretty damn good gig. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to earn that gig. And Cincinnati, man, quietly, you know, a couple big wins for him. And yeah. and franchise quarterbacks taking care of their backups, man. Like that, like you said, there's not too many gigs better in the NFL than being a second stringer behind a franchise quarterback Joe Burrow, that do you likes see- you. Did you see uh, he let him use his suite that Burrow pays for for no, Browning's didn't. family? Yeah, he gave Browning his awesome. entire family was in Burrow's uh, suite. Uh, really quick, the it's it's a tie game, Titans Dolphins right now, thirteen thirteen. Titans just absolutely flubbed a catch on a punt, just completely dropped no it, and Dolphin. the Dolphins now have it like in the red zone, like on like the Titans six yard line. Yeah, update two on the Packers. They're driving. They're down 16 to 21 because Saquon fell, hit the ground, and fumbled. Uh, but because he wasn't touched, it was still ruled a fumble, and the Packers picked it up and ran it back like 40 yards. So the Packers are driving to take the lead with under three minutes left in the game, um, which is not great because the Giants pretty yeah, much I mean, had it locked up. That's that's more or less just what happened on the on the side of the ball too. Uh the I think it was the special teams coordinator just threw his headset. The Titans special teams coordinator threw his headset across the, the sideline. Um yeah. yeah and they they look like they're 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 one yard away from scoring right now. Most are just got tacked but the one. Um all right, Tampa at Falcons. Um I think Tampa now is officially number one in the NFC South. Um Baker I, baby. I think all four teams are under five hundred still again for the so Look, the NFC East did that one year where, like, every team sucked. Like, Dallas wasn't very good. Uh, Eagles were, I think. Yeah, I know what you were talking about. I think they got in at, like, 9-8 and or 8-9 or something. Yeah, yeah. And then the exact next season, 
like three out of four teams turned it around. Like Giants started playing better. Eagles looked like a wagon. Then Dallas, uh, you know, looked really good. They just did wheelbarrows for the touchdown. The Dolphins just did. I might have that. That's my list. That was hilarious. Team wheelbarrows. You have too much recency bias, John. Go into your big brain. You have a huge brain. Go into it. There's you got to think past yesterday. Dude, I've only been watching football the way that I've been watching football, like since COVID. And I think that's probably why. Yeah, I've always don't get me wrong. I've always been a huge football fan. I've always watched football every week. The concept of me watching, you know, 80 percent of the games any given week is that was like that was a I have nothing better to do because I'm locked inside of my house. And this is. I truly believe that football saved America during 2020. You could um, say it. Football has saved America several times. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, anyways, uh, NFC South now two years in a row is uh, like all four teams are, are horrible. So that's that's hard to do. Um, so shout out, I guess. Um, Seahawks against the Niners. We kind of predicted that this game was not going to go well for the Seahawks. Sure enough, the, the Niners beat them by... Two scores. Um, I, I think. I mean, do the Niners and I? They're I don't winning the get, Super Bowl. I don't want to get too excited about this, but they look so good. They're winning the <laughs> Super Bowl. I, I, I want to place a future on the Niners Chiefs Super Bowl rematch. Niners get their revenge. That's what I want to place a future on, and maybe become a very very rich man. And maybe you know we look back at this clip and say, hey, you were onto something. Why didn't we bet a million dollars on it? Um. That's I, they're they're the best team in football. I don't really think it's close. Uh, Brock Purdy looks unbelievable when he has all his weapons playing. When Trent Williams is healthy, they're a very different team. You can see how important he is to that offense, not just in the running game overall. Debo Samuel has been. I mean, they're finally using him more. Ayuk continues to produce. McCaffrey opens up everything for everybody. Kittle is so unselfish. They they all block downfield after each and every one of them. One of them catches it. Everyone else is blocking their ass off for each other. It's fun to watch. It's beautiful football. Their defense continues to get better. This is the team. With injury issues. I mean, they, Dude, they've they some huge blows injury-wise, and they haven't missed a beat. People turned on this team when they lost three straight games. John, I'll give you credit. You were one of the people that never really wavered. Um, I wavered a little bit. This is the team to beat. This is the, totally. this is the team to beat this year. Um, I mean, they look really, really good. Um, I'm surprised by the way that like, we're not all dead right now. Cause, uh, if I were the football gods, I would have gone scorched earth at this, this, uh, Vikings Raiders game. Like I would have actually started the apocalypse as a I actually, I was really hoping for at a certain point, the zero zero tie. I was at that when it was fourth quarter and still nobody had scored. I was like, just please God, like, like take this to overtime. Still have no points. Zero zero. It'd be the, I think the lowest scoring game. Of all time, I don't think there's ever been a zero-zero tie in NFL history, at least not that I can think of. Um, yeah, this this was horrible. This was, I mean, I'm happy the Raiders pushed because Mark and I got crushed on our best bets in in general, anyways. But like, I was not expecting them to push by scoring zero points and the Vikings still only scoring three. Absolutely insane. Um, I. I have no. Oh, oh! I actually do have words. Um, well, first of all, Dobbs injured, so that stinks. But even more so, that Tom Brady take of like, hey, you have to be careful how you pass the balls to your receivers because you don't want to get them murdered, um, has done nothing but age well because um, that's exactly what happened to Justin Jefferson. Um, he's he's probably out for the season. Uh, highly likely that he broke his ribs. Um, 
and it sucks, now, dude. That it sucks it, to see. It blows, and it was on a pass where I think the quarterback was. And, and I'm not trying to totally throw Dobbs under the bus. I get it's it's tough, and he's it literally this is the first time he's played with Jefferson in his life. But he threw a pass that put him in a very compromised position. Uh, yeah. Jefferson had to go up and get it in the middle of the field. Just got it's, rocked by the linebacker. I'll Same. say, John, yeah, that you know you're you're right. Uh, you got to try to protect your receivers, but that's a really hard thing to ask a quarterback to do, especially a young quarterback like like Dobbs and and you no, know, not a lot of experience with Jefferson. Like, it's already a hard enough position, but to have to worry about protecting receivers, like you you just have to make your read and make the right throw. That was the right read. It was the right throw. He tried to he tried to place the ball on his back shoulder to kind of protect him and allow Jefferson to turn and avoid the contact. And unfortunately, it was just a little bit off, and Jefferson yeah. wasn't able to protect himself. Um, and it sucks, but it happens. You know, like receivers understand that's football. a part of the deal. It's football. Yeah. Like, I'm not ever going to fault a quarterback for getting his receiver killed. Like, it's too hard of a position to protect your receivers at perfect rates, right? Like, even Tom Brady threw some balls that got his dudes annihilated. It's just, mm-hmm. you just can't. You can't like completely take that out of your game because it was either that or he holds on the ball and then he he gets annihilated. Right. So it's like there's not really a win there. It's a tough it's a tough thing to really be mad about. Um, I'm not mad again. I'm not like I'm not saying you know oh, Dobbs like you got to do a better right. job of that. Like that's that's not what I'm suggesting. I, I mean, I'm not like ever you said, since or, Tom Brady made me aware of that because yeah. that's not something I, I'm a lineman, right? I didn't spend too much time thinking about receivers' safety when they're, you know, catching balls in the middle of the field. Ever since he's made that comment, I'm like, come on. And now yeah. I see it all the time where I'm like, right. oh, shit, that dude just got rocked as a direct right. result of that pass. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, all right. The bills Casey revenge game. This was an exciting game start to finish. Um ending obviously in a very controversial way and my take on it honestly is the i'm not trying to say that refs are ref balling casey but like let's be real here you are one of the darlings of the nfl more often than not um the refs have been very empathetic to um casey's officiating packers just scored issues a uh, packers just scored and dolphins just scored again I, I missed how they even got the ball that quickly again i mean they just went up two scores in like a minute and a half um it anyways like to act like the refs are against you or totally blew that call like let's let's just look at this for two seconds i'm sorry you are so egregiously offsides how do you not call look at look at where uh was this johnson or whatever on the other side yeah. is what is the line of scrimmage like the, i i, I, I mean like, yeah like it's, it's i get there's this blue line going across right the ball is honestly a half yard off of that blue line the tackle is two yards behind that. Also, the fact that you pulled up a tweet that's in Spanish is I don't, insane. I just I just searched up Kadarius Tony and came up with the first thing. John pulls up a tweet that's literally in oh, Espanol. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, he has to use Google Translate to translate. Like, what is this guy doing? I don't care what doing? the person's saying. I just need to Yeah, play. I know. I give it. I'm just giving you shit. But no, it's it's what insane. Is He's, this? What is and this? I like, listen, I actually understand the frustration that Andy Reid and Mahomes had after the game. Like, is it a penalty? 100%. But did this penalty affect the play? Not at all. And Yes, it, actually, no, it did. Who caught this ball at the end of the day? But it didn't matter at all. That wasn't why he caught okay. the ball. He didn't catch the ball. He got a lateral pitch to him late. Like, it didn't affect the play. But 
where do you draw the line is the question, right? He's clearly offsides. So if, if you if you scooch him up ten yards, like would that affect the play? Like where does it where where does it actually start to affect the play? Right. That like, why is, are you getting mad about the official? That's why it's a rule. That's yeah, that's clearly, why it's a rule. Like right. you have to call it. You have to I, call I, it. I understand the frustration, but for them to literally be like, "Well, it was wrong, but you shouldn't call it because we're KC and this was a big situation." Like that is yeah, the no, no, dumbest logic saying. I've ever heard in my entire. They life. definitely sounded. I mean, Andy Reid and Mahomes definitely sound like bitches. And yeah, I mean, what what he said. I mean, like what a. Uh, I, yeah, after I don't the game, on he goes to Allen and says that was like a horseshit call. Like, okay, right. dude, sweet, yeah, you've lost it wasn't. five games it this wasn't. season. Shut up. Like, yeah. honestly, it it pissed me off. Like, I, and again, it's because of the fact that it's like, um, what what questionable play happened at the end of the Super Bowl that Casey was on the benefiting side of, and it didn't right. sound like Pat Mahomes right. was like, no, 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 for the sake it, of the it, game, it, we shouldn't. No, shut it, up. Like, it so looks cool. like uh, a spoiled brat, you know, behavior, and that's exactly what it was. Um, it, and, he, it and I get with your, I hate it because it took away such an amazing play. That's yeah. why I hate it, and that's that I think sense. why they were so mad too. Totally. You know, it's like, oh my like, god, did that really just called get called back? And 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 the heat of the game, you know, obviously, like Mahomes isn't going to notice Tony's offsides, right? He's yeah. not going to notice that, so he it's, probably it's didn't realize how egregious. The next day, <laughs> like, that's true. They that's still true. were talking about, and that's the thing is like. Don't be wrong. Heat of the game. You're pissed. Whatever. You come back the next day after like seeing this screenshot and still having the same take. I'm like, come on, man. Like that's just rough. Because, and honestly, I'm on the note of okay. Well, you know, where do you draw the line? I am exhausted personally of lines of scrimmage looking like this. The the mighty duck formations on the offensive line drive me nuts because it puts the the defensive line at a huge disadvantage. That should be a penalty. Like. The line of scrimmage isn't real in this play. It's like a two and a half yard range. That should not happen. That should I mean, not the, if the if the side judge can't see the ball at all and he can't see the other offensive lineman, you're you're pretty far off sides. So yeah. you have to call this. And I think that's what they explained when people asked them, like, why, why did you call it? Why didn't you give it? Because a lot of times they'll give you a warning if you're lining off as a receiver. Because, again, as a receiver, if you're a half yard or a yard off sides, it really doesn't change the play that drastically. Now, if you do it every time, they're going to warn you and be like, hey, you need to back up, and then you just back up. In this instance, there was no warning. They just threw the flag and took away one of the best plays we've ever seen. That's why they were so mad. But he was so far off sides that you – I mean, you have to call it. So yeah, I don't – and again, I, I, I get – but just because there's stakes to a game and just because it's KC versus Buffalo doesn't change the fact that, like, football has rules that we're supposed to abide by. And again – I think the NFL needs to do a better job of making sure that offensive lines collectively play on the line of scrimmage because it is it puts the defensive line at a huge disadvantage if you have this mighty duck formation where everybody's in a triangle all the time. That's not I, in my and uh, this is just me, you know, maybe just being a lineman and and making too much emphasis on something that doesn't matter that much. But I actually think it does affect the game quite a it bit. It changes the game drastically. Yeah, it so. has it has all year. Oh my God, the Giants! They're gonna they're in field goal range. Giant, yeah, giant, the Giants are in field goal range, and they'll kick a field goal to win if they if they uh, if they make it. Yes, man. Yeah, this is huge. If you're a, a Lions fan, this is so. huge. This is yeah. huge. All right, moving on to Broncos Chargers. The Broncos went from being one of the worst teams in the NFL to having a substantial defensive turnaround. Um, I actually watched a Brett Coleman video on it this morning. And Brett pretty much says the reason why their defensive turnaround is so good is because they're literally going like like suicide levels of blitz rates and it's just working. Like they they are not 
They Chaos. are putting so much pressure on the quarterback that they he's not playing, you know, whoever is on the other side of the ball is not playing the type of court, you know, the same level of quarterback that they usually play. That's working out for them. And Sean Payton's figured out how to how to turn Russ back into old school Russ, and the offense is productive now. I'm like when I saw this team on the Lions schedule, and I actually think we match up very well against them, so I'm excited to for this game, and I think the Lions should win this game coming up, but I'm a lot more concerned about it this coming week than I, especially, I mean, these are, these are guys that Sean Payton literally mentored. Right. And so it's literally student versus master um, coming up here with the Lions and the Broncos. The Broncos are one game away from having the division lead. Who would have thought that six weeks ago? Absolutely crazy. I think Mark is totally invested in what's going on with this. I'm I'm so invested in Tommy DeVito right now. They keep showing his dad in the stands and his dad, his dad just keeps saying like, relax. He's trying, everybody's around like Tommy DeVito's balling out in this game, by the way. The um, do you see the picture of the agent in like the pinstripe suit and the, the top hat today? Yeah, it's crazy, it's freaking hilarious. Oh, they're showing wanna... the, the missed field goals from earlier, though, on the Giants don't, side. Uh-oh. No, don't worry Uh-oh. about it. Come on, I know. Um, do, do no, I agree with you though. about the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. They've they've found a way. I can't believe that they found a way. After they lost to the Jets, I really thought they were dead. I thought that it was karma. I thought Sean Payton deserved it. Um, but it was almost like losing to the Jets was like him paying his karma for being an asshole in the offseason. And then it's like, okay, now it's time. Now it's time to, to get going. And they did. They woke up. He found something that worked. Um, defensively, offensively, the pieces just clicked at the right time. And, I mean, you go from giving up 70 to Miami and then losing to the Jets at home, and then you just flip a switch. Like, something happened. Something clicked in that locker room. Something clicked in those meeting rooms with the coaches, and they have found a formula to win football games. And they're probably going to make the playoffs Yeah, as it no. sits right now. And they may catch Kansas City because they already have one win against them in terms of the tiebreaker. Yep. So, yeah, they, they, might, uh, they might actually – Win the division some way. I mean, with the way K- things are trending in KC, I'm very concerned about them hanging on to their division leads. They only have a one-game lead right now. Um, and I think they have a harder strength of schedule going down the stretch here than the Broncos do. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then Eagles, Dallas. Look, I, everybody knows I am I'm at this point probably just an iconic Dallas hater. Um, I, <laughs> I hate Dallas probably more than just about it. Dude, I almost like – being on, on like Hannah's little like weekend mini tour that we, we did and just being surrounded by Dallas fans in Dallas. It was, it was rough. I, I, I wanted to like insult people and I realized I'm on their turf. I can't do that. Don't um, be scared, John, stay in your ground. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just go and start telling everybody their football team sucks in their home city. That would go over well. What are you okay. scared of getting your here's ass beat? Yeah, be probably. Here's, <laughs> here's the kick for the giants giants. It's right through the middle. Perfect. Bang, bang. You're ahead of me, so I'm just yeah. glad, I'm glad that happened, though. Yeah, clock expiring, um, final. Um, look, I and where I was going, Dak Prescott is playing out of his effing mind. I I think Mark, you know, has been throwing his name out there in the MVP conversation. I can't, for the life of me, deny that at this point. I mean, he's, he's playing better than any quarterback in the NFL right now. If you look at his touchdowns, his yards, his interceptions, all of it, uh, passer rating. Uh, he's and I mean they just went against one of the best teams in the NFL and kicked their ass the same way that they got their ass kicked by San Francisco, which had me on the San Francisco is the team to beat train very early right. in the season. So I can't. I mean they they are a wagon, and um, it, I'd say this is the best Dallas team that 
truly we've seen in a few years because this was always the game that they'd get to and then lose, right? And then it's like, haha, Dallas can't beat anybody that's noteworthy, and this is why I sit around and talk shit about them. Um, you're winning games by two, three scores against Super Bowl contenders. I mean, you have to pay attention. Simple as that. So, Dallas is for real. Dallas is the real deal. You were worried about them, right? Last week when I picked them, and I was like, "Hey, I think they could beat. I think they could beat the Eagles." And you were like, "I don't know. They've only been beating bad teams." This was not a bad team they played against, John. This was not sure a bad wasn't. team they played against, and they took care of business on in every facet of the game. They took care of business, Dak. Right now, I don't see how you can give anybody else the MVP. Maybe Brock Purdy, but like I think, I think, I think Dak warrants it just because of how much more he's doing individually for yeah. the Cowboys. Um, they're dangerous, man. They're a really good football team, and they don't have a ton of weaknesses, you know. Except aside from maybe the 49ers. that's the one thing that we can kind of hope for. We at least we have that going for us, where the Cowboys have to go through the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. If they beat the 49ers somehow, it's not going to be fun for people like us that don't like the Cowboys. That's all no. I can say because they'll be relentless if they somehow win a Super Bowl. Oh, God, and this is the, the closest, honestly, losses. this is the closest they've been in the last decade of Absolutely. having a having a Super Bowl caliber team, in my opinion. So no, credit to them and, and, and credit to what they've done because last year they took a lot of shit. And Dak especially took a lot of shit. And... He's turned it around, and Mike McCarthy's found his his rhythm play calling with him, and it's just been it's been honestly exciting to watch. It's been fun to watch because he root for, I root for a guy like Dak, I really do. And as much as you hate the Cowboys, as much as I hate the Cowboys, Dak is not a guy I can hate. It's not a guy I can get behind and 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 hope for his downfall. Yeah, I mean, um, and you know, exciting origins and a good person and all that good stuff. Um, but anyways, um. <laughs> You know, and I, I really don't think Eagle fans, you know, should be too concerned about it. I know at every single time the Eagles lose anything, but I feel like their fan base goes completely scorched earth. Um, look, it's a, it's a divisional rival. You beat earlier in the season and they had, you know, your number at home. I mean, it's that's that's the type of game that you you lose. I mean, the Dallas is a freaking good team and they're your divisional rival and makes sense that you go one on one in the regular season and you'll probably see each other in the playoffs, you know, depending on how things shake out and that will be an exciting game. So, um, and then obviously uh, green Bay just lost to the giants. Um, and the Titans are actually, they're, they're back into being in the game. It's 21, 27 right now with two and a half minutes left. Miami has the ball uh, Titans defense playing pretty well, but uh, we'll see what happens there. We'll continue to update that as a, uh, as times go on, I, 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 Tommy DeVito and this story with his dad and like the, just the Italian, I don't know what it is with Italians. I mean, I'm Italian. I don't know what it is with Italians at any time that they do something like cool in sports, like people just like, I don't know. Like there's just always like this gravitational obsession with Italians. Like you talk about mob movies, mob shows, like Italians just draw attention from people of all sorts of, you know, kinds. And they just love like Italian drama, Italian films, like something about Italian food, you know, the accents, the, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's weird. Um, but I'm proud to be Italian and I'm proud to, to be the same, uh, <laughs> background as Tommy DeVito right now. Cause they just took care of it. I mean, they're showing his family. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. You would think, look at this. I'm pausing my, I'm pausing this right now. And I'm going to put this live on the screen on my phone and I'm going to hold this up. If you can see this, 
Look at the. <laughs> Look at this. Look at the got, agent, bro. It looks like a scene out of the freaking Sopranos, dude. You got Tony Soprano <laughs> in the middle. You got some guy wearing a top hat and a chain. Like do and they're all doing the freaking thing with their hands. <laughs> it's I mean, it's a, it's insane. This is on NFL. They're, we're watching this live. Like the, the Italians are taking over. Tommy DeVito, man. What a cool story okay. for him. I mean, undrafted. Like he's won three of his first four starts. He took a bunch of shit from everybody, including us, after his first start. And I mean Shout out to him, dude. Shout out to the Giants. Just when you think they're dead, they come in and they take care of the Packers for us. Something that us Detroit people thank couldn't you Packers, do ourselves. Or you thank know? you, Giants. Um, yeah. I'm I'm still concerned about the Packers though, but this is huge if you're a Lions. This is fan. huge. Yeah. Um also, really quick, this last thing I want to talk about. I talked about Brandon Purna's curse wheel last week and how like palpable the curse has been this season, especially. Who was it this week? It was the Eagles. And and literally the Eagles fans when he came were like acting like the game was over before it had even started. And surely enough, um, you know they go ahead and and get murdered at Dallas. So why don't we have a wheel? Well, we we can't just steal. Uh, there's only one curse wheel. Let's do a good luck wheel. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it can be a wheel either. I think we need like a like something a like dartboard. I kind of I like a dartboard, spinning dartboard. Throw the dart. Who's it'll it land be, on? It'll be like a like a blessing dartboard, like whatever team. Yeah, we, whoever we hit gets gets the practice squad pod luck. I like that. Something has to negate this curse wheel. It is way too powerful. I, I this came from the football. He, this guy can listen in life in this world. There's evil and there's good, right? There's hell right. and there's heaven. Right. There needs something to balance there, out. This is negative. We need a positive. It's yeah. the balance of the world. Equilibrium. Yin and yang. I agree. Um because that curse wheel is way too powerful. I don't You know what else is cursed? Our picks from last week. We got so we, we need that. we need to reset that Mark, and get back I, on the right track. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I'm it's my fault that my picks weren't good this past week. I'm pissed at you about that Saints pick still. Because I just wanted to taste being above 500 late into the season one time. And sure enough, I didn't get it because I, I'm mad. I'm really All mad. you got to do, John, is go 5-0 and on a week like I do every other week, and you're fine. You know? I'm upset. I'm just upset. Um, That's all you got to do. Uh, yeah, these these spreads look correct too. Drew, Drew did these while we were recording because he's a good guy. Um, so, but it looks like everything's locked in and good to go. So, thank you, Drew, for uh, dealing with that. That's the one downside to recording on Monday night. Or you could get things out earlier for you guys, but um, in this case, where you have two Monday night football games, it's eight teams where the the lines aren't posted yet, um, and so we have to wait for those games to conclude. Um, Dolphins actually isn't concluded yet, so that's a, a you know early line. But I digress. Anyways, uh, we're we're an hour and fifteen minutes into this podcast. We'll try to we'll be relatively quick for you guys uh, for picking spreads this time around. First, we got Chargers at Raiders. Um, Raiders are favored by three points. I think the betting market has finally caught up to the Chargers just not being a good team this year. Um, su- a little surprised about the the under over line, frankly. Um, but see what it is. Um, I like. I honestly like the Raiders to win this one, missing with the Chargers missing Justin Herbert. I mean, there's so many dead quarterbacks right now. Justin Herbert is another one added to the list. 
Um, so you got it's a low. Uh, it's a low over under too. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Which I, I'm, but I like I like the Raiders to cover. I think I like the over. Mark likes the over. I was thinking about it. I mean, the Raiders aren't going to be as bad offensively as they were last week. The Chargers are the backup quarterback, but Kellen Moore will be creative enough to find some way to score. I just feel like that's so low, you know. It's very low. Like, I mean, if the if the Patriots Steelers could get the over, why can't the Chargers Raiders? The Titans are driving, by the way, in the red zone. I know. Two minutes left. I know. I got I got it open here. I mean, it's it's still very much a game. Hey, my, Miami to flub that one, man. That would be big for the AFC. That would really change the the entire picture there. Um, Vikings at Bengals. Uh, Bengals have been playing good fo- uh, football. Vikings are on their third string quarterback with Dobbs getting hurt. Lost Justin Jefferson again. Um, I like the Bengals to to win here, and I probably like them to cover. I actually think this might be a an above a, a one score win for the Bengals. I'm I'm thinking it a two score win here. You put in your best bets or no? Um, because Vikings have had good luck with their quarterbacks dying for whatever reason. I'm a little bit skeptical of whoever this third string guy that's going to come in is going to be. I don't even know who it is. I, I don't think you can blame me for not knowing who it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it because of that question mark. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this the Bengals as well, but I'm not not in my best bets. Okay, not your best bets. Got it. Steelers at Colts. Um, I still don't know what to make of the Colts. I don't know if anybody does. Are they a playoff team? Are they no, not? I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. But I, I mean, I don't know. Gardner Minshew is Minshew mania, man. Bounce back. Playing good week. football. Um, Steelers. Uh, Kenny Pickett still going to be out. Um, so Trubitsky's getting another start. I'm not touching this one with a ten foot pole, best bets wise. Um, but I I like the Colts to to win, um, and I think they could cover too at home. It's a tough one for me. Um, I kind of like the under in this one, but I I just hate betting over unders in general unless I'm pretty damn sure about it. I'm gonna go with the Colts. I think to to win this one and, and cover that two and a half. Got you. Broncos again, student versus master here. Broncos at Lions. Um, Sean Payton hasn't seen no Ben Johnson though. That's that's the one thing. Dan Campbell and Glenn he knows pretty well, but he doesn't know Ben Johnson. I like I like the Lions to win this game. I think they match up well. Uh, personnel wise, um, I don't I don't feel confident enough to add this to the best bets. I'm I'm really excited about this game. I think this I think this actually this game's going to be way more telling about who the Lions are um, than I was originally expecting it to be. Um, Touchdown Titans, by the way, they're about to take the lead with an extra point. Oh shit! Now you're ahead of me. How the hell did that happen? I don't know. That's weird. I'm not sure. Um, I am gonna fade your pick. I don't believe in the Lions. They look atrocious. Uh, this is a good football team coming into town. Give me the Broncos best bet. Plus five. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me the Broncos best bet plus five. 
What does it say oh. in the bottom there? I can't read it anymore. Remind Mark to not take Denver in anything ever. Mark, this is I think this is your third, maybe your fourth time picking Denver this season. Is this the one that breaks it? I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they freaking screw me here. I hope the Lions end up winning this game and covering the spread. But what concerns me and what my it's heart versus mind right now. Okay. Uh I I hate the Denver Broncos for what they've done to me this year. But I can my mind sees that they match up well and Sean Payton is the father of Dan Campbell's coaching career and Aaron Glenn. And he owns them. You know, there's no doubt about it. He owns them. He created them. And uh he knows their he knows their weaknesses, he knows their tendencies, he knows everything he taught them, and I'm sure they definitely have some inside scoop against Sean Payton as well. But I trust it's like what happens when Saban coaches against his former coaches, okay? I'm not saying Sean Payton is Saban-esque, but similar thing. Like, you, you know you know the guys that you trained, right? And you know what makes them good, what makes them not good. I think he takes advantage of some things. The Lions are reeling. It scares me, man. Five points. Five things points are, is a lot. By the way, Lions lose this. I think the fan base is acting very spoiled right now, by the way. Like, we're... we're but it's, I mean, it's reasonable because I think, we should be better than... I think the criticisms are warranted, but I also think Lions fans are forgetting where they came from and how quickly we got here. Things are going to get really effing loud if if the Lions don't beat the Broncos at home. I'll say that much. I think I think things, especially if there's if it's you know as a result of a turnover or some kind of mental error, some kind of discipline related error, things are going to get loud. Um, Casey at the Patriots. Um, we were going to have a guest on that's a Pats fan. I think we'll get him on when he gets better internet soon here. Um, I think the Patriots are going to... I think KC has a lot of pent-up anger and energy right now. And I think the Patriots are going to be on the receiving side of that to the tune of dozens and dozens of points. Um, so give me KC best bets. Wow. Um, I normally would be with you. I'm just I'm just gonna say Kansas City, Kansas City covers the ten. Um, and that, but I'm not putting in my best bets. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't do it. Falcons at Panthers. Panthers are getting three. I don't know what to make of any of these NFC South teams because they keep beating up on each other, and it doesn't tell us anything. Um, I mean, I like I like Falcons to win this. I like them to cover, but. I don't know. No, no best bet. Could the Panthers get another win? Maybe. I wouldn't. I wouldn't count that out. I Marcus. think I'll take. I think I'll take Atlanta. Not my best oh, bets, though. Not your best bets. Chicago the Dolphins. Has- the Dolphins are driving right now. By the way, too. I'm just I know. I'm- continue to give some updates as we go. Yeah, because it's it's exciting football. Um, so we got bears at Browns and the bears, I think objectively you cannot call them, you know, even a bottom five team. I actually think they're playing pretty decent football uh, right now. They have a very serious run defense in general. Their defense is pretty dang good. Um, and their offense is finding some rhythm. Now is their offense going to be good enough to surmount the Browns defense? That's the big question. Um, I'm going to lean no on that question. And for that reason, I 
don't think the Bears will win this game. I expect the Browns to cover, but I really don't know about this one, man. I mean, this this could be a big prove-it game for the Bears. Give me the Browns' best bet. Oh, my God. This might be the easiest bet I've ever put in here. I feel like the I feel like the Bears are just going to get exposed. Like I just feel like Justin Fields against this defense is going to have serious issues, and I I just think Joe Flacco just takes care of the ball and just like I'm not saying they win thirty to three, but I'm saying I think that they win twenty four to by more six than three points type sure. thing. You know what I mean? Like I I think they do take care of business. I think their <laughs> you, defense gets a you score. Did, you did not take away or add that many points. With <laughs> I know. I know. I know, but just like it just makes sense in my mind, you know. For sure, for those... sure. Well, it's not, for a, sure. it's not you're, a thirty. You say for sure, but you... it's not a thirty-three game. It was a twenty-four to six. It's a twenty-four. To six. I think that's actually the same differential, isn't it? <laughs> it might be. It might be exactly the same differential. Is uh, it? No, it's it's no, a one. I think it's you're bad at math, but that's okay. Hey, I'm good at picking games, though. Check my numbers: thirty-eight, nineteen. Book it here. You heard it here first. Ride with me. Um, Tampa at Green Bay. Green Bay are uh, giving three and a half points. Giving or getting? Giving. Get, they're giving. Yeah, they're they're favored by three and a half points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really don't know about this one because I just watched Green Bay choke away a game against the freaking Giants. So, yeah, that's at Lam- This is at Lambeau, though. Yeah. I like the Packers. I like the Packers too. Not best bets though. Um, Jets at Dolphins. I, ooh, I like Jets. I'm adding Jets covering my best bets. There you go. Now you're thinking. Uh, just seeing what the Titans just did to the Dolphins here. Set Jets second time playing them. Still have some very small playoff hopes alive. Zach Wilson back in a rhythm. I, I like it. I'll take it. I mean, 12 points is a lot of points. And I, I think this late in the season, you do not see teams, especially divisional rivals, just blowing each other out uh, as often anymore, unless you're the Cowboys against the Eagles. Yeah, I think I think I'll probably take Jets to cover, but I'm not putting in my best bets. Okay. Giants at Saints. Saints are favored by six points. Uh, Titans just won, by the way. They sacked Tua to end it. No way. Yeah. I'm gonna have to I'm keeping my eye out for that. That's crazy. Wow, that's a huge win. Are you already me. on the fourth down? That's crazy. It's, it's over. Okay, so, yeah, you're ahead of me by like 25. How did that happen? I'm so confused. I was ahead of you, and now you're ahead of me by like 30 seconds. Um, I I like the Saints to cover and win but i don't know how confident i feel about that definitely not adding it to my best bets i actually i mean i can't go against T. actually tommy devito hold on and i'm changing my opinion very quickly because uh car is really struggling against good defensive lines and that's probably the giants greatest strength um td bro tommy devito they don't cover i'm i don't tommy devito uh giants give me the giants plus six not that it matters, but it changed very quickly there. Giants, are you are you adding us to your best bets right now, or are you just saying no? Not? Tommy DeVito, okay, gotcha. Yeah, Tommy DeVito. Hey, San Fran at Cardinals. Cardinals are getting thirteen and a half points. Um, how has Kyler been playing, by the way? 
I mean, not great. Not bad. I feel like I haven't like he came back in week one and that was exciting because he was like healthy again. I They're like almost like suppressing him. Like I don't hear anything about him. Yeah, very weird. Because they also are terrible, but um, hmm. I'm not adding shit to my best bets here, but I, I yeah. could see San Fran winning by. I uh, I don't know though. Like it's. I agree. I think they cover it, but yeah. Um, Commanders at. LA LA is favored by seven points. I like I like LA to cover this. Actually, I'm gonna add this to my best bets. Really? To be yeah, I mean, dude, LA LA's gotta make the playoffs, man, and they gotta start winning winning games against bad teams in, in decided fashion. I, I think the commanders cover. Interesting. I mean, I don't I'm not gonna put that in my best bets, but I, I do I think the commanders I think they come off a bye. And they're ready to go. A little refreshed. Okay. Um, Texans at Titans. Titans coming off of a big win against Miami. Texans probably missing CJ Stroud, who's in concussion protocol, and both of their star receivers. And the Titans are only giving a point and a half. I'm going to take the Titans here. In best bets. I'm, I'm going to take... Oh, it's you're, very you're rolling. Well, right now I'm just like I'm getting these like gut feelings, and I feel okay. like I need to roll with those because I have not felt very many just like impulsive like no nah, that that's good. You love the board this week. Just say I like it. the board this week. No, no, no. You love the board. Love the board this week. <laughs> What's the threshold for like? Boca loves the board, dude. You got four picks like in the last five games. That's when okay. you know you love it. Right, Admit right. you love it, man. You know love when you know it. It hits you. You know it. It's a feeling. It's a magical feeling. Vocal loves the board. All right. If you guys are out there and you see these picks, Vocal loves the board, and we'll see how it pays off for him. I also love the board, and I think my picks are absolutely locks. And I'm not even afraid to jinx myself. You want to ride with the? You want to ride with these guys? Me and John win money this week. Promise hey, you that. Much. You got to bounce back this week. Gotta the Titans, uh, I like as well. Not my best bets, but I think they do cover. And then I look ahead to the Dallas Bills game in Buffalo. The Bills are actually two and a half point favorites. Am I reading that correctly? Somehow. Can we confirm that? Uh, Yeah, I can double check for you. Because that's kind of insane. It is, they are two point favorites, not two and a half point favorites based off of DraftKings. So I can. So probably, I, can, I mean, it could have changed in the last, you know. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, I kind of like Dallas. Man, this. So here's my big hang up right now is the Bills are in like we have to win every game to make the playoffs mode. Yeah, but Dallas wants to try to get the one seed and wants to stay ahead of the Eagles. I have no I have no clue for this game. And I did the whole like big game, big implications, take the over. I don't know if I feel as good about that this time around. It's high. Yeah, I'm not going to touch anything with this game. I do like the Bills to win it, though. I don't know about covering, but I like Josh Allen turns the ball over. Dallas forces turnovers. Dak's been playing more efficient. In Buffalo, though. Is a, is a Bildo going to make it onto the field? I think that's an important. Is it going to snow? Buffalo around this time of year gets... Will, will snowballs be flying at Cowboys fans? Because I would Poor pay death. so much money for it to snow. A ton. And have the Bills fans absolutely pelt Cowboys fans. No precipitation. 
Damn it. Projected for next weekend. Damn it. Mother nature. Um, I'm, I'm pissed by the way that the, the bears lions game didn't have snow too. I'll say that. And that they wore grays. We were bound to lose. I I said, dude, I literally messaged you to the minute that got announced. I'm like, what are we doing? We lost when that happened. That decision. Um, shit, man. I think I like Dallas. Okay. Baltimore at Jags. What's your pick, John? You didn't say. I said I, I like the Bills to win. I don't I don't know how I feel about them covering. Okay. Um, Baltimore at Jags. Jags are getting three and a half points. Sunday night football. Trevor, this is a good Sunday night matchup. It is a good one. Big implications. I've obviously been big on the Baltimore train. Um, and so I, I actually do feel like they, they're supposed to put this one away. I'm probably in decided fashion. But I also feel like the Jags are starting to feel pressure. I mean, Titans are and uh, Texans are starting to creep up on them a little bit. Um, shit, man. I like I like Baltimore to cover. I like the Jags to cover. Um, and then we got Eagles at Seahawks. Seahawks are getting three and a half points. I might, I might say screw it and add Eagles to my best bets too. Yeah, let's do that. I don't think uh, their Dallas game was a true sign of who they are, and I think they're going to prove that this coming week. I agree with you, but I'm not putting in my best bets. And that, Mark, would you like to recap your picks? You're a little lighter this time around than me. I'm a little lighter, but I do love the picks that I have. I've got three picks for you this week. We have no intersecting picks, by the way, this time. No intersecting picks. I've got three picks for you. I'm 38 and 19 on the year in my best bets. So please trust me when I say last week was rough. This week, it gets brighter. It starts with the Chargers, okay, against the Raiders. Take the under there. Under thir- I'm sorry, the over. Over 33.5, yeah. Over three, over 33.5, that's my first of my three best bets. Sorry, I misspoke there. Uh, then you got the Broncos, okay, against Detroit. I like them to cover the plus five. I don't think Detroit's playing well. I think they match up pretty well against Detroit overall, and it's the Sean Payton against his former, you know, assistance type of game. I just think Sean Payton figures it out continues to to go on the streak that they're on and the lions are falling apart right in front of us and then the third one that i really like this week okay is the browns actually this is one of my favorite bets of the year i might put everything that i have on this game uh responsibly the browns three point favorites against the bears Justin Fields is going to turn the ball over. This Browns defense is menacing. Joe Flacco is Mr. Consistent. His heart rate never, ever goes above like a 50. Like this guy doesn't care about anything ever. He just goes in there and just wins football games. So give me the Browns to beat the Bears. The Bears are not as good as they've been looking. There's no way. You can't convince me that they go in and execute against that defense. So that's my three. Chargers over. Broncos plus five. Bears to lose by more than three all right i like casey letting out some of their pent-up anger and aggression and little whiny baby uh temper tantrum on to the patriots they're going to win by more than 10 points 
Um, I like the Jets in a divisional matchup against the Dolphins to cover getting 12 points. It's a lot of points, um, and the Jets are a good defense, and the Dolphins just lost to a good defense in the Titans. Um, I like L.A. uh, covering uh, seven points. Um, I think that they got something to prove. I think they're one of the better teams in the NFC, and no one's even talking about them. I like the Titans to uh, cover one and a half points against the Texans who are going to be missing CJ Stroud and their two star receivers. And I like the Eagles after getting absolutely smacked by Dallas to go into the Seahawks and win that game by more than three and a half points. And those are my picks. Everybody, thank you very much for sticking through this episode. A little bit longer today. Lots of good stuff to talk about. Um, you know, we talked about the future of NFL football in the lateral passes. We talked about some of our favorite touchdown celebrations. We recapped all the games in their entirety. Mark and I were watching a lot of football. We had a lot to say about it and we looked ahead to next week. And apparently we love the board. We Um, gave you some winners. These are, these picks are winners, man. Winning picks, not financial advice, but these are winners. Um, Gamble responsibly and gambling responsibly. You know what that also is? It's just called winning. So just go and win your bets. Starts by riding with our picks. 38. What was I? 38 and 19? 37 and 19? 38 and 19. I'm 38 and 29. 38 and 19. This is this is the week that I get above 500. I know it. I feel it. This is the um, comeback of John Vocal. This episode. You heard it here. Episode 70. The comeback of John Vocal. Let's go, baby. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. If you haven't followed us on social media, please do. Um, And also we have merchandise. If you are a fan of any team of the NFC North, we have hand-drawn designs that have gone on very, very nice quality merch. I am not gassing that up. We literally found the most expensive shit that you can uh, mass produce print stuff on. And that's what we went with because we want you guys to be comfortable in our merch. Want it to feel good. We want it to look good. You should click that store link below and check it out for yourself. Thank you very much. We are very close to 500 subscribers, which means that we can monetize this YouTube channel. So if you are listening to this, please help us get there and check out all of that short form content that we are posting throughout the week. Did I miss anything, Mark? Um, Bam was going to beat Michigan. Shut up. We're not, we'll, we'll talk about this next week. You're wrong. Shut up. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. See you guys.